Hi, and welcome to Technotopia, a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have David Fine, a writer and thinker on the future of cities. This is Technotopia. Technotopia is brought to you by Happy Fun Corp. Happy Fun Corp is a design-driven technology company in Brooklyn, New York, that specializes in building mobile and web applications for startups and Fortune 500 companies. Whether it's a new mobile or web application that will help people experience the internet in a fun new way, or software that will interface with a new piece of top-secret hardware, Happy Fun Corp is always up to the challenge. Big or small, Happy Fun Corp loves building software and loves working with great people. Come build with them. HappyFunCorp.com. Welcome back to Technotopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today we have David Fine. He's a writer, speaker, and thinker on the future of cities. So, David, you did a interesting three-part series, uh, Civic Technology and the Cities of Our Future. And you've been thinking a lot about cities and how they're changing, and we wanted to talk a little bit about that. So as you recall, Technotopia is about uh, the good stuff that's going to happen. So if there's anything horrible that you predict, then we'll, uh, we'll do that for the other podcast. Uh, <laughs> horrible uh, techno, techno dystopia. I guess we should make that one too. All right. I'll try to, I'll try to be <laughs> optimistic today. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, it's a wonderful podcast and um, it's it's really kind of the exactly what it was that I was writing about when I published a series of posts um, was uh, the cities of our future and, and how it is that we're going to grapple um, with them as they grow, become more complicated and to a certain extent, hopefully more advanced. Um, so what does that look like uh, when we start building a connected society, connected future, and how is that going to, getting down to the meat and potatoes of it, going to really change the way that we do things on a government and business level? Mm -hmm. So the, the concepts that you bring up here are fairly interesting. The, the old ways of doing things, I think one of the, one of the graphics here was interesting specifically. It was, uh, it was basically the idea of you had expensive taxis, uh, you had expensive drivers who would drive people around and there was a one-way interaction. But now you have services like Uber, uh, for better or worse, that are changing the way the riders interact with the drivers because the riders actually become the drivers, which is kind of unusual. And okay. you're also suggesting that we can take this out into a city government level and instead of having one-way uh, transactions, um, driver, taxi, human, uh, you have multi-way transactions. You have multi-connected transactions, thanks to thanks to new technology. Exactly, uh, and if you really if you really go back and, and think about the way that uh, government services have been provided, at least in the United States, uh, for for quite some time, it's been very sequential. Um, the government uh, has a service uh, like picking up the trash, for instance, and um, they then hire a contractor to uh, to fulfill that service, and and the citizens are are the eventual user or customer of the government, mm -hmm. um, but they're not really part of that equation. Um, and what we're seeing now is uh, specifically in related to kind of the way government delivers tech is that they are trying to involve the users more in a feedback process so that they can start understanding further 
um, how their services are affecting their citizens, um, and then hopefully improve them. And uh, a, a key part to that is, is the tech provider itself. So it has mm-hmm. to be set up in a way um, to both get that input from the government, um, provide that service to the user, but then also um, get get that input back to the government of, of how it is it's affecting the user. Um, and so we're seeing kind of, to a certain extent, a sea change in the way that um, governments across the United States are um, approaching these citizen services. And that's, that's, that's a good thing because, as you said earlier, it really reflects the, uh, the reality of the way that we deal with technology today, which is that it's not this linear um, sequential relationship where it's just a one-and-done business. It's, it's very much about... Um, kind of these open marketplaces to a certain extent, um, these these cycles where uh, where users are both customers and also providers of services, and that's obviously where the economy is going. Um, so why not the government as well? Hmm. Okay. So what does what does the average uh, city government have to do to start enabling uh, a lot of these features? Right. So. I think I think this really goes back a lot to kind of um, to a certain extent the way that uh, the way that companies um, the private industry has evolved um, in the past few decades. Uh, so they went from these um, very sloth-like uh, organizations to something that theoretically is a bit more agile that has um, that has really created uh, these agile design techniques and cycles within the organizations themselves. And that's really, I think, the first part for governments is for them to look at their processes, look at their RFP process, this request for proposal process that um, puts out a request for proposal um, for a service um, that's very um, kind of linear to a certain extent. uh, And, and, look at how they can reform those processes, look at how they can um, pull their more linear thinking to a more agile and, uh, and cyclical um, perspective. So that's, that's part number one, is, is process. Okay. So the, you, had, you, had worked, uh, you worked at a place uh, before, you don't have to discuss it, but... <laughs> What are these, what new technologies are out there that are going to help uh, those processors come into place? I mean, is it, right. is it cameras? Is it sensors? I think one of the, one of the points that you made in, in your post is that cheap sensors around a city uh, are, going to, are going to solve a lot of the problems, right? Right. So, um, right, exactly. And so the, the entire kind of what, what agile process relies upon, um, the entire kind of uh, point of it is that it ingests data about how something is being used and then continually improves upon that data. Um, so that's what uh, agile methodology, sort of agile approaches to, the, to building things requires. Uh, is is a lot of data about how people use things, and for cities, for a very long time, they had a very hard time um, getting a lot of continuous data about that. But uh, as as you and I both know, that we're we're witnessing a sea change in the way that um, people sense things in the world. 
Um, so right now, every single person is carrying around a sensor in their pocket, um, which is their phone. Um, but cities themselves are also adding sensors on top of their infrastructure that are connected and 24-7 and providing data to them on um, anything from water usage to traffic um, to noise pollution to air pollution. So all of these sensors, all of this data should theoretically help us build the smarter city that we all um, hear about and um, read about in only the optimistic sci-fi and uh, futurist um, fiction. Uh, it should all of this data should help us create that sort of future. Um, but what we're seeing today is that okay, you have all of this data, but we we need we need to create processes. We need to um, create a decision making structure. Um, even something as, as simple as, as a contract structure that really recognizes that the cities themselves are fluid. And so maybe our processes should be a bit more flexible and fluid as well. Um, and that's kind of the sort of, uh, the sort of stuff that we're seeing out there today, um, in terms of cities, which is very heartening to me, um, that cities are realizing that they have this massive opportunity to kind of, um, gird themselves for for what the future will look like, and many of them are tackling it head on. So, I mean, I guess the question here: Can a city? I suspect maybe a city like, gosh, I don't even know what to what the example would be. Maybe like a New York, or maybe a maybe an SF would be able to start using some of these tools. Uh, they're fairly well funded from a tax base uh, perspective, and they have a fairly vibrant technological community. Mm -hmm. uh, but what about, I don't know, Scranton or Allentown or right. uh, Detroit? What are those guys going to do to to get the benefits of this sort of stuff? Right. So to a certain extent, um, it's actually, so even though cities like New York and San Francisco, LA, um, are all embracing this this smart future to a certain extent and um, are often uh, the best position to take advantage of new technology because of their resources. Um, they also have a severe disadvantage in that they are large um, and that they have massive bureaucracies, very entrenched interests. Um, and we see that often uh, most recently in the case of, of Uber and Lyft and all mm -hmm. these ride-sharing services, right? So it's the smaller, it's the larger places, I should say, generally, where you have kind of the bigger fights, um, where you have these entrenched uh, taxi interests who are fighting against um, uh, these new competitors and this new technology. Um, and so... It, and so, to a certain extent, um, the big cities are adopting this at a at a at what they think is a rap rapid pace, um, which to you and me might seem very glacial. <laughs> um, and so, I think that to certain that also um, kind of opens up the smaller cities to a lot of opportunities because these tech companies who are um, developing this technology that um, wants to. Uh, uh, gather data in cities in real time constantly and then um, work with cities and businesses um, and private citizens on on making the city better through that data um, these smaller cities can take advantage of that because uh, these tech companies want to move faster and the smaller cities can and so even though they don't have um, 
the same resources, they can use uh, their their speed and agility um, to their advantage. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. So, what does it take? What's it going to take for um, the average person to start? Uh, encouraging their cities or their, I guess their mayor or whoever to start using these tools. If you live in a city that's, that's a little more, mm. a little less uh, technologically advanced, I guess you could say. Right. Great question. I think, uh, I think that's already happened um, a bit. So you have a lot of different organizations out there that are urging cities to uh, adopt more agile approaches to citizen services and um, they've become a, a movement, really, um, in the way that um, we we want to build our cities. And so there are a few out there. There's one called Code for America, um, which is the one that I talk about in these uh, medium posts. Um, is is this is this national umbrella organization that's really um, uh, pioneering um, how cities can can take their sclerotic uh, slow processes and move them into the 21st century, and so they have a um, a fellowship function um, where they'll send technologists to cities, um, developers, designers, um, thinkers of of how to do agile process and um, embed them in a department to change them. So that's that's one way. Um, but from from an individual citizen perspective, they also have these um, volunteer brigades where they are uh, they are on the ground in the city, unpaid volunteers who uh, try to to a certain extent um, make a, a little bit of a ruckus. Um, so uh, they're they're activists, but also uh, are often developers or data scientists who. Uh, attempt to create applications that show cities what it is they can accomplish if they have more data and if it's more real time and if it's more granular. And I think those are often the conversation setters because uh, if you have someone in um, in a small town who's able to show that the parking um, uh, inventory in that city is being used really inefficiently. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people will pay attention because that's all um, that's all taxpayer dollars and also parking, which is one of the most annoying things in a city. Um, so those are often the ways I think that cities' um, eyes get open to this sort of technology. Um, and and the the term that uh, that many people use for that is is called civic. Hacking, and which I, which I, there's something about that term that I just love. Um, but it's it's really what you'll find in these cities that have a lot of civic hackers are are nerds like you and me, uh, mm-hmm. or at least myself, uh, and uh, who who care a lot about their cities. Um, and that also is is a big change um, uh, from I think a few decades ago, where uh, you would have a lot of software developers um, who were really leery of involving themselves in governments, involving themselves in kind of um, this this messy and slow uh, moving organization. And now you have um, uh, people who grew up with um, civic activism in mind, but also learned how to code and think about data who um, now really want to change uh, their surroundings through the means that, that they have, which is this coding and data. Interesting. So we're, so it's a, 
It's a generation that initially was well, I mean, I guess I guess if you were looking at it from a from a 1990s perspective, uh, fighting City Hall, quote unquote, was not a popular thing. But now there's not actually even a fight because the the folks who grew up in the 90s are now parts of City Hall and they're actually trying to get they're, they understand entrepreneurship, they understand uh, they understand uh, technology, they understand growth, right? Uh, all the benefits of all the benefits of a, a, a tech tech based society uh, are available to them. Interesting. Right, and 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 companies like Uber, uh, whether intentionally or not, have um, spurred this this I, I think uh, to to a degree at least um, a, this this increase in civic activism within the tech community um, because they come out with something that is just so patently um, at least to the tech community's perspective better right mm-hmm. um this this ride hailing service and all of a sudden they see that really it's it's politics um it's it's civic activism that is um is holding back adoption of something that is that on on um to to their uh knowledge and their experience just a much better service and so i think a lot of people saw that and see that and say okay well maybe i should start playing that game a little bit um, and that's where you see a lot of interesting um, uh, things happen. Okay. So, what's next? What do you think is next for a, a, a city like New York? What do you think is what's the biggest change that's going to come over the next uh, five or ten years? Right. Well, one of the things that's happening right now, actually, is um, if you if you come to New York and you expect to see a um, a really dirty and unused uh, phone booth. Uh, you don't see that at all anymore, mm-hmm. um, or you you won't see that at all. Have no, my my son usually finds the uh, finds the dirty and unused right. phone booth, and, he, <laughs> and he, he takes the he takes the phone and puts it up to his ear. So we've uh, so okay. well, so I hope you have a lot of um, uh, yeah, yeah. sanitizer on you. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whenever you walk around, but um, in the in the next few years, uh, you're not really going to have that problem per se, um, because all of those phone booths uh, are going to be replaced by these um, tall, sleek, shiny towers that um, have ads, yes, um, and um, display them on these really nice, crystal clear um, displays. Um, but also that provide really, really fast um, Wi-Fi to the streets. Um, so I think uh, that is that is one of the first and most important steps that New York is um, taking to um, become this smarter city and and deploy sensors throughout. Because really, what you need is is infrastructure, right? And that's that's really what city governments can provide is kind of um, hardware on the street level that. Um, uh, that entrepreneurs and incumbents alike can hang sensors upon. Um, so, uh, but to do that, you really need a connected city. And so, I think that in the next five to ten years, that's what you're going to see um, cities doing. And and a lot of cities have already started pursuing that. And so, even though um, you'll have this this Wi-Fi network that's um, available to you and me, there's probably going to be a, a second one that's available to all the sensors around. And there will be a process to, to, um, to install your sensor um, throughout the city, uh, first on, on a small level to test the efficacy of what it is that you're measuring and, and whether or not it actually improves what you say um, it'll improve. Uh, and then, and then, uh, and then, 
to wider scale if, if it actually is effective. And so I think that's the first step. And then the second step is really taking that data um, and thinking about uh, the things that, that we assume are, are really just set in stone for cities um, to, to, to change them and to improve them. So obviously self-driving cars and traffic and parking are all the rage these days. But Think about uh, noise pollution codes um, or building codes that are that are basically designed around um, the idea of noise pollution and how you want to build your neighborhood. Um, so we might we might be in a future where um, we sorry we might find ourselves in a future in in ten years where every apartment has a, a noise pollution detector um, mm-hmm. and um, that all gets fed into a city. And so when a bar wants to open below my apartment, um, it, it's, it doesn't become this um, contentious discussion. It becomes, okay, well, we have all of these sensors, um, so we know whether or not you'll be making noise. Um, and so you have, to, um, you have to build your bar and operate in, in a way where, we, where our sensors don't detect that noise. Um, so to a certain extent... Um, the the building codes and the noise codes and all of these different things, these regulatory processes that govern cities will become more flexible but also much more enforceable. Um, and depending on which side of the equation you sit on, the, the, um, the optimist, which is um, the side that we sit on today, or the pessimist, um, this mm-hmm. is either a really good or a really bad thing. <laughs> all right, very cool. So where can people find out uh, more about what you're working on? Uh, I, I never thought I would say this, but uh, I think you can – I think my medium is a, is a safe place to do that. Um, so it's, uh, it's at David Fine. Uh, at David Fine on Medium? Yep. So you're posting, you're posting more of your, uh, your future of uh, cities uh, right up on Medium for now. Yeah, I'll be posting that and also on Twitter. Same, same uh, handle, at David Fine. Very All easy. Right. All right, very cool. Uh, David, thanks for joining us on Technotopia. Uh, I'm John Biggs. We will see you next week. Thank you, John. Bye.